For those of, who, of you who have been with us for over the last number of months, uh, we were going through a series in the book of Revelation, but in the middle of the week we decided that uh, we would take a break from that and kind of do a recap of what we were doing all week, which is trying to reach children with the message of Christ and to uh, pour God's not only love and truth into life, but words of wisdom. In fact, really that was the, that was the theme of the entire week. It was built on a climbing Camp Kilimanjaro, or Camp Kilimanjaro was where they were at, but climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, which is a mountain. I guess it's, it's the, uh, the highest or largest freestanding mountain in the entire world. Now, being, being a little slow, I was thinking, well, what about Mount Everest? Well, it's not, Mount Everest is not freestanding. There's a mountain range around it. So if you're looking at one single mountain, this is the tallest mountain that you could ever climb. And I guess there's a variety of ways to climb that. Uh, there's six different directions, and about 20,000 people try to climb it a year. The, the, the in interesting thing about it is very few make it to the top. Because it's one thing to have good intentions, and the other thing is to actually live them out in terms of being prepared. And then even if you are prepared, to follow those wise guides who are getting you up to the top of that summit. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about wisdom, and if I speak a little fast because I got about half as much time as I had in the first service, so I don't know what things I'm going to be cutting out on the fly. Uh, but we're going to be talking about being wise. And as we were going through this week, and I had opportunity to listen to the Bible lessons and to be involved in a variety of different ways, is I, I figured out that if, if this was important for little people, it probably is pretty important for what? Big people as well. Do you, do you think people still need to be wise no matter how old they are? And it doesn't matter what you are chronologically, you, you can still make bad decisions. Uh, you, know, you can put all kinds of adjectives, dumb decisions, foolish decisions. And there are other adjectives as well that are a little bit more harsh. And so we need to recognize that we need to be compelled to think that, that we have to consider there are two ways to live, a wise way and a foolish way, and to recognize that true wisdom comes from above. So this morning, I want to talk about being wise, and this message is given to you by the letter, by the word up. So if you have your outlines, they'll help you kind of follow along as I try to race through. Uh, we're going to give you some action steps. And they're pretty clear to children, and if they're clear to children, they ought to be clear to us as well, though sometimes we're a little bit more stubborn and dense. If you, and sometimes kids are a lot more uh, teachable than us. We get to that point where we think, I know it all, heard it all, done it all, and so now I just kind of do whatever I want. Okay? That's, not, that's not the journey, and that's not the trek to the top of the mountain if the top of the mountain is wisdom. We need to be lifelong learners. And so there's some action steps if we're going to walk a walk of wisdom. And, and here are the upwards this morning. We need to listen up. We need to check up. We need to build up. We need to um, wise up. And we need to wake up. And if you forget those things, then just remember the last one. You need to look up. You're not going to get wisdom by looking below you. And it's not going to get wisdom by just looking at people around you. You need to look up if you're going to get what really true wisdom is all about. Uh, so let's look at it this morning fairly rapidly, but uh, hopefully simply and powerfully as we just look at God's straightforward truth for our lives. If you're going to be wise, and this is a lifelong learning process, you need to be a, a person who listens up. Uh, you're a person who, who recognizes that you don't know it all quite yet, uh, and you know you haven't put it all into practice. Um, and, and so the idea here is uh, we need to be wise by having e ears that hear and do God's Word. Now, if you're familiar with all the New Testament, there are some familiar statements of Jesus that, that you have heard before. And Jesus would often say to people who are listening to them, 
unlike many of you today who aren't listening to me. No. As, as, he, would, as he would speak, he would say, do you have ears to hear, right? And you're thinking, that's pretty simple. He's speaking to adults. But he said, do you have ears to hear? Are you really listening? Not just the words out of my mouth, but are you wrestling with this to see how this applies to you? And so as we talked to, to the, the children this, this week, we talked about you need to have ears. You need to have ears for God. Now, and we're going to be taking just some five pro- proverbial statements in the book of Proverbs that, that say this pretty plainly. And we had them memorized it this week. And so if you want some, some assignments, and I kind of gave you a little bit of intro last week to do this, is you can memorize this this week. Okay, all five verses. Can you do that? No, I can't because I can only do that when I was a little kid. Now, you can still do it, all right? Proverbs 19.20 says this, uh, Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise. And it actually speaks to most of us here in our latter days. Okay, so it's, a, it's an investment that if you start early, and this is true in, in terms of financial investment, you start early, uh, compound interest says you're going to have a lot more if you, let, if you let it stay there for a while. And if you continue to build and put wisdom in your life, you're going to reap the benefit throughout your life and particularly into your future. Receive, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise. Now, we try to portray this in a variety of different ways, and if it was helpful for children, I'm sure it's going to be helpful for adults. If you're going to hold on to this principle, you could think of the animal world, and some of these principles will allow you to say, yes, I need to, I need to be that. And so we said, what, what would be a good word picture in the animal world that speaks about having ears to hear? Well, we picked the elephant, and the reason we picked the elephant is the elephant has what kind of ears? Big ears. Now, you can have big ears and not listen, but if you have big ears, uh, that might be a, 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 an inducement to kind of pay attention to what's being said. And so that's what we pleaded with the children. Said, we want you to listen to God so you can become wise. And, and Proverbs it says that wisdom comes from above, and, and the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. And so it starts there. But, but let's be honest. Some of us... We're kind of fascinated with information, so we'll listen to information. But that doesn't necessarily make us a wise person because we've heard a lot of good things. You ever been in a conversation with someone and, and you, you start talking to them and they just stop you in the middle of the conversation? I've heard that before. You've told me that. I don't want to hear it again. And, 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 and they, just, they just said, I'm, I'm just, I've, I've been there, heard that, done that. Except the last part. The reason people repeat things to you and to me, and sometimes when I repeat things to people, is because it's not because I think they've never heard it before, or I've never heard it before. The problem is I've heard it, but I haven't what? Done it. And, and so there was a very simple definition of wisdom. I thought it was just profound that we gave the children on, on and I didn't write it but, it, but it was interesting. What is wisdom? Wisdom is an equation. W equals H plus D. And what is that? Wisdom equals hearing plus doing. And, and so I want to plead with all of us this, this morning is I want us to have big ears for God. I, I want us to be people who not only listen to God, but when we hear the truth, we're, we're just compelled to say, I want to put that into practice in my life. It won't be easy. I might have to learn that lesson over and over and over again, but I'm not giving up. I'm going to make that a part of who I am, to know the truth and then to live out the truth, to know what is wise and then to be wise by not simply just hearing, but doing. 
And it's interesting, you know, Solomon, who was considered the wisest man who ever lived, God supernaturally gave him wisdom. He wrote over 3,000 Proverbs. We have about 500 of them recorded. But even though he knew what was wise, he didn't always what? Didn't always do it. And so we don't want to be like Solomon. We want to be a person who not only hears it, but does it. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote this in the epistle of James. He says, but prove yourself doers of the word, not simply hearers who delude themselves. Simply saying, I, I know that, I've heard that, doesn't mean you put it into practice in your life. So action steps to be wise, number one, listen up. Secondly, is check up. Now, check up, we got real creative with this, or at least uh, Glenn got real creative with this, is that we portray this as a checkup in that most important part of your life, which is your heart. And we know physically, it, it, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in, in your life. And I, was, I, was, I saw Nancy Barnes uh, before uh, the service, and I saw that she had um, broken her wrists. And I go, I've done that. I've done a lot of things like that. I've, you know, I've broken a lot of bones and sprained a lot of muscles and done a number of crazy things that probably shouldn't have done, weren't too wise. But they're minimal compared to something being wrong with your what? Your heart. When, when there's something wrong with your heart, you, you better get that fixed, right? And you better get it fixed right. And, and so as we're going to be wise people, it begins not only with listening and, be, and have a commitment to doing, it's also saying, well, what's really going on on the inside? God wants to speak to the heart. And so the verse, key verse we use in this is a very familiar passage in God's word. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your, what? Heart. And lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. I was doing some additional reading on this text in terms of what the words mean. And it has some little depth to this clear passage that you can get so much out of by just reading it on its surface. But... You take uh, two of the words there, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. Those are actually kind of theological synonyms. You know, sometimes we throw, away, throw out words that you know, we think we, mean, we know what they mean, but we kind of just, they're in mind and out of mind. But you know, trusting and leaning have a lot to relate to each other. When you, when you lean on something, you're... you're you're believing that, that what you're leaning upon is going to be able to support you. Support your whole weight. Uh, keep you safe because maybe you're, 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 you're kind of dizzying in life and you, you need something to hold on to. And, and that's what God pleads to us about. He says, now, trust in me. Have me support you. Put your whole life in my hand. I know I've had that experience about leaning on something I thought would support my weight, and I realized it wasn't as, as secure as I thought it was and just stumbled to the ground. And God says, if you'll come to me, that will not be your experience if you place my life in your hand. Lean upon me. Trust the Lord with all your heart, and do, and, and do not lean on your understanding. And all you always acknowledge me. I used to think of that, that simply meant, and I think it does mean this, it means as you go through life that everything that happens in life can be brought into a connection with how you see God and how God works in your life and, and bring God into every part of your life. Ho hopefully we don't see Christianity as something that happens an hour a week. I mean, that, that would be senseless. That everything that we do, the Bible says whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, you can do all that to honor God or glorify God. 
if you're not being self-centered about it and you see that everything that God has made has a purpose and you're just bringing him in, in everything you do. But it, it's more than simply acknowledging that God can be a part of every part of your life, but it has the idea of acknowledging being more than just a, a mental assent to that, but it's acknowledging to the point where, where, where you have relationship with the Lord in it. It's your God's participating in it with you, and so you bring God into every part of what you do, and so it's a it's a part of 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 God really being connected. And then it says, and then He will direct your paths. And the directing your paths is when you're trying to make decisions, which way to go. God can give you guidance, but it even has that idea of bringing you to that point of destination. Your real goal. When, when you get on the road and you're going down you know, various streets and various highways and trying to GPS it or map it or whatever you're doing, trying to do this, so how do I go from a, point A to point you know, B? It, it's because there's, there's a destination at the end of your travel. And as we think about our life, it, it's not just maneuvering you know, day by day into certain activities, but what's the intended purpose of my life? What's the goal? And God said, if you, if you check your heart, that which is on the inside that really identifies who you really are and say, God, I'm placing my heart in your, in your hands, then you'll truly be wise. As, as we try to picture this for the children, we, you know, we used animals. The elephant has what kind of ears? Big ears. When we look at the giraffe, mostly when we think of a giraffe, you think of a giraffe as, as, the, as the person, what kind of a neck? Uh, you know, long neck. But now I look at giraffes, I'll never look at giraffes the same. I won't, I won't ever think about a giraffe has a long neck. I will think of a giraffe having a, a big heart. Because I guess the heart of a giraffe is 25 pounds in weight. To put that in comparison, the heart of a, of a man or a woman is about one pound. And, and so God wants us to be like a giraffe, not with a long neck, with a big heart. And how that all begins, and we presented the message at that time as far as how you get in to that relationship with God from your heart. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it comes to that point in your life where you have to decide just where are you in relationship with God? You know, it's as easy as the ABCs. It's as simple as the ABCs, but let me, let me change what I just said. But it's, not as, but it's not as easy as the ABCs because this, this demands all of who you are. It's simple but not necessarily easy. The, the A of, of, of connecting with God from the heart is admitting, admitting your need. You know, a child learns that pretty quickly. I, I need my parents to feed me or I'm, I'm going to go hungry at night. You know, when, I, when my diapers are wet, I need my parents to come and, and change my diapers. And they cry out for you. And we need to cry out for God. We need to admit our need, that we need him to do what only he can do, which is deal with the sin in our life. We need to secondly, not only admit it, but we need to believe. Believe that not, not, not only that's what I want, but I believe he can do it. That Jesus was a true person. He was who he claimed to be, the Son of God. That he did die on the cross, and he did rise from the dead, proving that all that he said was true. That he came and he paid the penalty for our sins. But you can admit it and you can believe it, but you've got to make that third step. You've got to commit. You've got to make that choice. That, okay, because of what I, I know about myself, what I admit about myself, I, I'm a sinner. And believing that Jesus can deal with my sin, I now commit and surrender myself to him. 
And when you commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, surrendering your life to him, then that will result in forever receiving what God can only give, the gift of eternal life and the gift of life right now with him. So we share that with the children. So we want you not only have big ears for God, we want you to have a big heart and make room in your heart for God to come in and change you on the inside out, giving you what only he can give, which is life forever. Thirdly, and the last three that we'll rapidly go through is, well, what does this life of wisdom look like? Let's get beyond the, um, the receiving it to now having it come out of our life. Well, thirdly is to build up. Build up. And build up is, is all about this. By, by be wise, by having a tongue that speaks in a God-honoring way. It, it, it's not too difficult to determine whether a person is wise. Just listen to what comes out of their mouth. The Bible says in Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So you'll either eat the fruit of death language coming out of your mouth or life language that comes out of your mouth. And the pictures of that are pretty clear. There are things that can come out of your life when you say it, it's pretty deadly. You really hurt people by the things you say. You, you destroy relationships either the relationship between you and that other person, or maybe if you gossip upon, about them, you, the Bible says in Proverbs that, uh, that repeating a, a, a secret about someone separates friends. Is there a times where we need to realize that what we say does impact people? And so we need to be very careful what comes out of our mouth. The Bible says in James that it's like a, our tongue is like a fire that just spreads destruction. And so we need to yield to him to control the, the things that come out that hurt people. But the good news is, on, on the other side of it, we can help people. What comes out of our mouth might, might build people up. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.29, Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. And that, that word edification is good for building up. That's exactly what that word means according to the need of the moment. Would our, would our world be a lot different if, if people would be simply much wiser about what they said and what they didn't say? I mean, looking for ways that you can be kind and courteous and caring and gentle. In fact, the Bible says that in Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. So next time you're in an argument, be wise about it instead of yelling back when somebody yells at you. Just bring down the tone, bring down the volume, speak in softer terms, and see what happens. So we plead with the children and we plead with the little people and the bigger people. God wants you to be wise. He wants you to realize you, you do have a mouth. You have that muscle called the tongue. But use it to help people, not hurt people. Now the animal we used that to describe that was, was the hippo. And, you know, when I, when I first read the hippo, I go, well, why is the hippo about the tongue? Well, because when the, the, when the hippo opens its mouth, it opens up pretty what? Pretty wide. And so we, we can have big ears for God. We can have a big heart for God. We can have a big mouth for God. The normal when we say a person has a big mouth, it's usually in the negative way, right? But how about, how about making it a big mouth in a good way? I like being around that person because they're always building people up doesn't mean you can never correct. You have to correct. And, and Keith and Kenya are going to have to correct uh, Everly May. There's going to be times where they have to correct her. That doesn't mean we don't. But that's out of love. I mean, there can be loving correction. There can be loving strong words. 
But it's always for the purpose, not to punish, but to correct. And so God wants us to be people who are wise by building up. Fourthly, we need to wake up, which is what some of you need to do right now. Okay, you've been, you've been having your, your Sunday nap a little bit early, all right? Wake up. I, I was reading an article. I didn't show this in the first service, but it's interesting. It, it, you, you ever go on Yahoo News, and they, they'll give you all these, the seven things this or the 12 things that, and they had, I, I forget what the number was, but it was like, uh, it was either seven or 13. I don't know why, what it was, but the, the, the seven, uh, we'll make it seven, the seven things you don't want to look in for a life partner. I think it was on the, on the man. Seven things, actually I think it was 13, I'll make it 13. 13 qualities in a man you do not want to have if he's going to be your spouse. And they listed a bunch of them. But it was interesting, uh, two of them were this. One is, don't marry a workaholic. And then the next one is, don't marry someone who's lazy. <laughs> now which one is it, all right? Well, yeah, the Bible does have balance in there. I mean, you, know, you don't want a person who doesn't do anything, but you don't want to have a person who's consumed you know, by whatever he does. And so uh, the Bible says, be wise by having hands that do God's work. Uh, the Bible says very plainly in Proverbs 16, 3, commit your works to the Lord. There's, originally when God created everything in the very beginning, he created things for man and woman to do. So the work, even though it was a four-letter word, initially was not the curse. Uh, involved in the curse is that God as an object lesson, made working a lot harder than it was normally to be, but working in and of itself and its essence is not bad. It is good, uh, but it's not always easy now that things are kind of messed up in this world. And, and so as, as we talk for the children, we want you to be wise. It's not just things that come out of your mouth, but it's also things you do with your hands. And again, just maybe pick on Keith and Kenya, as they raise up Everly May, uh, they're going to give her some simple chores, you know, some things that she has to do. And it's not because they're lazy or mean. They realize to be a responsible, wise person, you need to learn how to work and do things that people ask you to do. And if that be true in a home, how much more true is it in terms of God's home? He's got things for us to do. And we need to commit what we do to Him and, and do it in a way that pleases Him. It's interesting, that as they looked at some animals that illustrate that, they, they decided to pick the monkey. I was like, why would you pick the monkey? And, um, and, and then as we were reading about the monkey, the monkey, most monkeys have five digits. Some of them only have four, but most of them have five. And, and you look at monkeys, they're pretty creative by the way they use their hands. I mean, they travel pretty quickly by going from one limb to the next, one limb to the next, and they, and they, they use their hands. I guess they have these, these thumbs, and thumbs are pretty important, um, and they, they're called opposing thumbs, which... Uh, it's kind of a strange term, but they said that it's so flexible, it can do a variety of different things, go so many different directions independent of the other four digits. And the illustration is a monkey, you know, as long as they aren't doing monkey business, you know, their hands can be very, very useful in all the kinds of things they do. But in the midst of that, they, they figure we need to add to this, this illustration in terms of the, the kingdom of things that God has made. They also challenge the children to, to be like the ant who works so, is so small, but works so hard. And so we need to recognize, as, as we are wise, it doesn't mean we just simply sit down and think wise thoughts. God has things for us to do. And either we do them for the Lord in a God-honoring way, or we just do it to serve ourselves. So be wise in, in doing that which God wants us to do. And then finally, not only do we need to listen up, we need to... 
um, check up, check up our heart. Where, where is it all coming from? We need to build up by what comes out of our mouth. We need to wake up uh, in terms of doing things that are productive and God-honoring. We need to wise up. And in Proverbs uh, 13, 20, it says this, be wise by having, well, the principle is be wise by having feet that walk with the wise. But the verse says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. And, and so it, in, it foundational with living a, a, a wise walk is being around people who are going to be dispensers of wisdom to you. God calls us to love everybody, to reach out to people in need. But our closest companions are to be people who build into our lives, who will encourage us spiritually, who will bring us down the path of the Lord. And, and, and the Bible's plain. You know, bad company corrupts good morals. And we will be like the people who are our closest friends. You have to ask yourself, are, am I influencing the people around me or are they influencing me? And so it's so crucial that we recognize that God wants us to respond to him. In Isaiah 30, 21, which is one of the crafts that we gave them, this verse was given to them. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or to the left. So God, God has a plan. He wants us to use our feet to go down his path. And we need to recognize that we, we, we recognize that that our influencers in our life will be not only what we read in this book and in God's church, but who do we spend time outside of this building? And we care for everybody, but there's got to be people that get our ear who we know will dispense wisdom to us. As we, as we thought about an animal that might illustrate this, and this is, this is just a, a wisdom illustration, but it's like the cheetah. Now, the cheetah is known by being extremely fast, right? It can go, in fact, some say it's the fastest animal on the planet. I've read some things that there might be someone getting close to them. I don't know. But uh, they can go up to 70 miles per hour almost in an instant. They just explode out of the blocks. Now, why that is so crucial is that there are certain things in life that even at our age, we need to run from as well as run to and do it rapidly. And probably for each one of us, there, there's some, some things that, that trip us up, and it could be good things that keep us away from doing the best things, right? And if that be the case, we don't just need to kind of crawl away from it. We need to run from it. Do everything we can to eliminate that out of our lives so that we can spend more time doing the things that are good for us and good for people around us. To run like that, that cheetah, who tires out almost instantly, but if it gets to its intended goal, it accomplishes what needs to be done because it's there. But sometimes we kind of just wait, and we think we can put it off. And for some of you, it might be this morning as you think about, well, you know, I can always have more time to, to give my life to Christ and give it to him fully. You need to run to God, not just wait. So this is what we want to share with the kids this week. God wants you to be wise. And there's some steps. You've got to listen. You need to check your heart. You need to be committed to building people up, not tearing them down. You need to wake up. Don't, don't go through life just having things happen. Be, 
intentional and wise up. Realize that there's a world out there who doesn't want you to live a life committed to God. And so this is all kind of summarized in one phrase. It's, it's all about understanding you need to look up. Paul put it this way to the church at Colossians, who he actually, in many ways, talked about wisdom in a, in a variety of contexts. He says, set your mind on things above, where Christ is. You know, we can be so earthly-minded, we're no heavenly good. And so God wants us to set our mind first on heaven, and then he'll throw the earth in as well. Let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you for what we as adults got to learn as we taught children this week about wisdom. As it filtered out into them, it, it provoked us to, to examine our own lives, to see, am I doing what I want them to do? Am I truly having ears to hear what you have said? And when I hear it, do I want to make it part of who I am? And Father, when I, when I check my heart, is my heart far from you or is it near to you? Am I trusting to myself or am I leaning fully upon you? And then as, as I've listened up and checked up, am I building other people up? Or I'm so concerned about my, my own life, I don't have time to, to look at the people around me. And then as I think about waking up, am I, am I too idle in my endeavors to, to be what you want me to be? And then wising up, am, am I taking those steps away from the things that will tear me down? Or am I lingering too long on those things that, that harm me in my relationship with you? Father, help me help us to be a people that look to you, looking up for the only source of wisdom, the wisdom that is from above. And knowing the author of wisdom, Jesus, not just superficially, but truly in our heart as we surrender to him. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.